This is NBA Sound System Live, featured on NBA.com sites around the world and archived on the NBA Sound System podcast feed, where you get your podcasts by searching NBA Sound System. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, each with the handle at NBA Sound System, or visit us at NBASoundSystem.com for more. Now, NBA Sound System Live. NBA Sound System Live up and running. Carlin Gay alongside Scott Rafferty across the NBA Global Networks. Uh, one week hiatus for us last week. We took our all-star break, so to speak, but now we're back and better than we normally would be. Scott, how was uh, how was the all-star break for you? It was good. It uh, it felt very short this season just because, you know, usually it's spread out over three days, but it was nice to have a few days off on either end of the, the all-star festivities. And uh, now we're gearing up for the final stretch. We got the uh, you know the trade deadline coming up in just under two weeks, which is always a crazy time in the NBA season. And then it's the the final stretch for the playoffs. So it's it's a fun time. It's my favorite time of the year, to be honest with you, Scott. I don't know if you know that about me. I'm a big fan of the trade deadline. I'm a big fan of uh, imagining the destinations that players might end up in. And I'm always disappointed because I have so much high expectations around trade deadline every <laughs> year. Uh, and, and nothing really seems to happen. But this year, for whatever reason, feels like it could be different. Not necessarily just with the trade market, but with the buyout market. And we'll discuss all of that over the next little bit here. Um, what, do you, what do you think about this trade deadline? 2021, the trade deadline is a week away, March 25th, or just over a week away, March 25th. It ends at 3 p.m. Eastern time. Um, do, do you feel like there could be a lot of movement given the fact that there are a lot of teams that are right on the cusp of maybe breaking into that contender uh, tier? It's, it's, it's hard to know because I feel like all insiders right now are saying that it could potentially just be a very quiet and boring trade deadline just because there's so many teams in the mix fighting for the playoffs right now. Um, given the situation with some players' contracts and potential free agents in the offseason and all that. But these things just have a way of creeping up on you. And it feels like the last two trade deadlines were pretty crazy. Um, and, you know, it's all it takes is for... For two weeks, everyone's saying that Kyle Lowry is not going to be traded. And then two days before the trade deadline, suddenly he's available and the Raptors are listening to calls. And suddenly it's a crazy deadline again. So uh, right now, it doesn't look like it's going to be crazy, but things change very quickly in the NBA. Yeah, they do. They absolutely do. And I'm uh, I'm expecting things to change around this trade deadline, as I said. Not necessarily with the trade deadline itself, but maybe even the buyout market. Uh, so let's dig into this and uh, look at the five most interesting names that um, kind of produce a little bit of intrigue heading into this March 25th trade deadline. Uh, we got to start with one that is near and dear to both of us uh, mm-hmm. as we work for NBA.com in Canada. Um, the Toronto Raptors, obviously the go-to team there for that entire country. The name Kyle Lowry has been in rumors all season long, it feels like. He is in the final year of his contract. Uh, he will be a free agent at the end of this season. He is, without a doubt, the pound-for-pound pound greatest Raptor of all time. Um, and there is a special connection between Lowry and that city. But there is a potential for him to leave Toronto for essentially nothing. Uh, if, he, if he does walk at the end of this season and goes to a new team where he can maybe win one more championship before his year his career ends uh that is there's a potential there for the raptors to lose him uh without anything in return so 
a name that I have an eye on is Kyle Lowry around the trade deadline. And, and we now know that uh, or Michael Grange, great Michael Grange, who works for Sportsnet in Canada, uh, penned a piece last week saying that Lowry is not expected to move. But I still expect maybe if uh, the right deal comes along, maybe Lowry's wearing a different jersey before the end of the season. That's kind of where I'm at on this. Because, um, yeah, that, that Grange report, Kyle Lowry's agent also came out and kind of um, said that denied those trade rumors, and it looked like Kyle Lowry did in an Instagram post as well. So on all accounts, it does not look like today, right now, that Kyle Lowry is going to get traded ahead of the deadline. But like I like you like you just said, there's just too many factors at play. I think for it to completely be ruled off the table with ten days to go, nine days to go until the trade deadline, because I really do think that. Um, one, it, it does make sense for the Raptors to kind of at least see what their options are with him because, yes, he could walk in free agency, but it's also worth noting that they, they just saw that happen with Kawhi Leonard, Serge Ibaka, and then Mark Gasol. Like, they've seen three rotational players walk in free agency for nothing in the last two off-seasons. So they could do that again with Kyle Lowry this off-season if they don't move him or they're not confident they can re-sign him. And by the way, another guy who will be interesting to monitor around the trade deadline as well is Norman Powell, who could be, he's having the the best season of his career and he could potentially be a free agent in the off-season if he declines his player option for next season. So again, all the signs kind of point towards Kyle Lowry staying right now based on the reporting, but it's just, there's too many facts at play for it to be ruled out. And he, to me, unless it's like a Bradley Beal, who he doesn't seem like he's going to be traded. But for me, where things stand right now, I think Kyle Lowry is probably the one player who could be moved at the trade deadline who would change the landscape of the league this season. Because, I mean, I don't need to tell you how good of a basketball player Kyle Lowry is. He's a a two-way monster. The way that he plays offensively, he would just fit in so well with so many different teams that it's easy to imagine him going to Philadelphia and playing next to a Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and kind of getting that team over the hump or going to Miami and playing in a culture that would be perfect for him um, next to a Jimmy Butler and Batman Adebayo and kind of being that missing piece. So for me, there are just so many teams right now lumped together in in terms of like they could win the title this season and Larry is that one piece who I could see kind of putting some of those teams over the edge. So yeah, he's, he's the one name for me right now to keep an eye on. Yeah, he, he is a big swing piece, uh, especially in the Eastern Conference. Over on the, you know, if the Raptors wanted to trade him and get him out of the conference completely, I don't know if he would stay in Denver, but I think Denver would be a nice situation for him as well. And they got yeah. a lot of options in, in terms of uh, the assets that they could give up to get him. I think, you know, playing him with Jokic and Murray and potentially, you know, Michael Porter, I think that's a good situation. And especially Denver was knocking on the door of getting to the finals last year. They got trounced by the Lakers when they got to the conference finals. But this is a team that, you know, they are coming. Uh, it's it's not going to be long before we are talking about Denver as a legit championship contender, not just a team that's going to the finals, but a legit championship contender. And Lowry might put them over the top. Get him there, let him see your culture, and then maybe sign him to a short-term deal just so you can help Jokic and Murray speed up that process of getting that winning mentality. So it could be a situation where Lowry uh, might end up, but that's just my opinion. No not, no reporting here, just us kind of spitballing ideas of what, where Kyle Lowry could end up. Um, the second most intriguing name, I think, that is on the list here is Victor Oladipo. This is my mm-hmm. opinion in terms of intrigue. Um, he is uh, currently a Houston Rocket. Started the season off in Indiana. He was a part of that huge trade, um, you know, that included the James Harden, the James Harden trade, we'll call it. Uh, and now Oladipo is playing his ball in Houston. Hasn't been playing well, 
but I still feel like there's some left in the tank, especially if you're expecting Oladipo to be your third or maybe even fourth option uh, on a specific team. He will be a free agent at the end of the season. Uh, and, you know, like Lowry, I think to lesser extent than Lowry, I think he is a good rental player if you are on the cusp of getting to the next level because you'll be able to see what he is in the postseason and then you can decide whether or not you want to uh, you know, resign him uh, on, a, on a longer term deal. But if, if you're able to get him for a low price, why not take a shot at Victor Oladipo? Yeah, he's he's in a fascinating situation just because, like you said, he is going to be a free agent and he hasn't been playing. He, he's probably going to be looking for a bigger contract than the one you would think he deserves right now based on the way that he's been playing. Um, obviously, three years ago, he was an All-NBA caliber of player. He's had a pretty significant injury since then. But it, it does put the Rockets in a fascinating situation for like if any other team acquired a Victor Oladipo type of player in a trade a couple months ago, you'd never think that they would flip them so quickly. But, you know, the Rockets, I think, what, they've lost like 18 games in a row. Um, I don't know if they're factoring him to like their long-term plans. It seems like Christian Wood is kind of the one piece that they really want to stick with moving forward. Um, and he was awesome. He was, he was playing at an all-star level before he was injured. But if they do think that Victor Oladipo is a risk, again, it's like the Carl Lowry thing. If he's a risk to walk in free agency, this is going to be their second to last chance to get something in return for him because they could also sign and trade him in the offseason, um, which, which is a possibility. But yeah, it's... I mean, a couple teams that have been linked to Victor Oladipo is um, the Knicks. They're going to have a ton of cap space in the offseason, so they could pursue him. The Heat have also been linked to him what feels like a million times over the last couple years. Um, And then there's also been a report that I think the Warriors are kind of keeping their eye on Oladipo. So, you know, those teams wouldn't need him to kind of go back to the Oladipo he was a few years ago. Um, Maybe in New York it would make a bigger difference. But if he's playing, like you said, kind of a third option on a team, you know, he, he's still a great defender. Um, he's a capable shot maker. And yeah, you bank on him getting into your system, your franchise, and kind of getting him back to the form that he was before. Yeah, I think if he was to end up on a team, a playoff team or a championship team, and, and enter that six-man role, sort of like what Lou Will is right now, where he comes off the bench, you give him full reign of your offense with, with the bench second unit around him, and then maybe if he's feeling hot that night, you let him close. I think that's a good situation for him to be in uh, for both parties, for the team that ends up getting him, and then also for him because, as you said, he's probably looking for big money coming up this offseason. I don't know if he gets it based off of the way he's performed so far um, this year, but that can all change. By the way, the Rockets, are, they've lost 16 straight games. Yeah, um, yeah. They play the Atlanta Hawks uh, by the time. Uh, today as we record this on a Tuesday uh, and, and then they have a back-to-back so it's Hawks Warriors and they might get one against the Pistons circle that day if you don't get those two wins if they do get to the 18 18 losing 18 game losing streak maybe the Pistons might be help them out uh, break out of that losing skid uh, on the on the 19th um, so Old Depot uh, definitely an eye to or a guy to keep an eye on uh, another one will move to Harrison Barnes. I think he's mm-hmm. very intriguing. Uh, the team that pops up the most around Harrison Barnes is Boston. We we obviously know that Boston has uh, the trade exception that Celtics fans thinks is go- think is is absolute gold. Uh, maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. We'll find out over the next six months. I think. Uh, but with Harrison Barnes, um, 
he's actually having a, a really nice year, but it's happening in Sacramento, and Sacramento as a team have been struggling. Um, is Harrison Barnes maybe on the way out? Maybe, but he is a nice tool that I think the Kings can get a good return for, uh, and he is a guy that can help a contender get to that next level. Agreed. He's um, To me, he's had a, just a fascinating kind of career arc because you know, you think back, he got his career started in Golden State and he was kind of like that last piece to the death lineup. You know, a, a mm-hmm. guy who could play power forward, switch on defense, and he was literally just a spot-up shooter. Like, that was his role. Then he goes to Dallas, and I will never forget that first season in Dallas. He averaged the seventh most isolation points per game in the league um, and ranked in the 70th percentile. So, like, he was actually good in those mm-hmm. situations. And I remember them even using him like a Dirk Nowitzki. Like, they were running Dirk sets for him in Dallas. Um, and then now in Sacramento, I, he, he almost feels like a blend of both those players to me. Like, he's still a good defender, can guard both, both forward positions, switch on some guards, guard some centers. Offensively, he's still a very good three-point shooter. I think he's having the best three-point shooting season of his career statistically. But he's also a guy who, like, if he gets the ball in his hands with eight seconds left in the shot clock, like, you, you trust him to make the right play, whether it's for himself or someone else. Um, so you, you wouldn't want him as, obviously, a number one or number two option on a team. But if you're looking at a situation like Boston, for example, because they have that $28.5 million trade exception, which he would fit under, you know, playing him as a third or fourth option next to Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Kemba Walker... He, he, I feel like he would make a big difference in that situation. And another really appealing thing about Barnes is that he's under contract for two more seasons after this one, and his salary declines in each of those seasons. So he's making $22 million this season, $20 million next season, and then the $18 million the season after that. Um, so he's a pretty, you know, he's going to be productive for the next couple seasons. I think it's, it's fair to assume on a team-friendly contract. Um, and again... Boston, you know, if they do absorb him, they're going to be so deep into the tax, I feel like, just because they've got, you know, <laughs> Kemba, Tatum, and all that. But right. um, that, that declining salary is another factor at play here, which kind of, I feel like, makes him a very appealing player ahead of the trade deadline. I, there's so many Boston jokes I can make about uh, letting Gordon Hayward go and uh, Harrison <laughs> that's Barnes a, being that's a replacement. That's a itself. But, uh, it is, it, and it will spend too much time there. So um, I, I will agree with you, though, that if Boston is and ends up being the team, I think it does make them a better team. Um, but I'm not just sold on Boston being the only team, maybe uh, you know, in, in the running for him. Like I think about teams like my like if if the the Heat was able to yeah. get a Harrison Barnes, that replaces and 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 lessens the blow of not only losing uh, Jay Crowder, who was terrific in the playoffs last year, but also Derek Jones Jr., who is now uh, in Portland. I think Harrison Barnes uh, is a little bit more versatile offensively than both those guys, and he's good enough Absolutely. defensively to to make up for those two losses. So, um, you know, Miami would be a good one. I, obviously, Milwaukee, I don't know if they have the assets to, but I think that would make me finally believe in the Bucks getting another another guy on the court that could put it on the deck and and look for his own as you said he he, you know given the opportunity he can isolate score a bit probably not at the level that he was when he was in his first season with the mavericks but it's not going to be a disaster when he gets the ball uh and the shot clock is at 10 you know so i i I think harrison barnes a very intriguing name and whoever scoops him up uh will be better for it pj tucker he's interesting Mm -hmm. because he has been uh a very intriguing player by, based off of his career and the way that he plays, like, the dude was playing center at for a uh, a championship caliber team two seasons ago, and now it feels like he's uh, kind of fallen off a cliff 
when you look up his stats, they're just not even worth us talking about right now. But we know at his best, he is a very good contributor and a, a guy that can and, you know defend essentially five positions, uh, knock down a corner three, and he's he's kind of plug and play. I, I feel like he can play really in, on any team um, because of the style of, of play that he is. The problem is, is that if if he's going to be playing the way that he's been playing in Houston right now, it might not be worth you taking a chance on a P.J. Tucker. But what, where do you sit on P.J. Tucker right now? Yeah, that, that, that's the tricky part. And only making it more complicated is that he's going to be a free agent in the offseason. And I know there's been a lot of talks about you know, frustration on his side in the Rockets about not, be, not coming to a, a contract extension the last couple seasons. He's a guy who, by all accounts, looks like could be looking for like one more big payday. Um, obviously, big payday is looks different to him than someone like a James Harden or whatever. But um, that that just adds an element to this. Like, how much are you giving up for a guy who's having the worst season of his career, hoping that he can kind of be the player that he was last season or two seasons ago, um, and knowing it could be what a three month rental. Um, so yeah, he he's that that gives I feel like a lot of teams something to think about, especially because it seems like Houston's asking price for him is pretty high, um, especially considering the season that he's having. But yeah, I, I, even with all that in mind, I I just I I feel like if he does find himself in a situation where suddenly he's the fifth option on offense again, and he's playing next to a superstar who can put so much pressure on whoever's defending him and can just camp out on the three point line. Um, and go just all out on defense again. I, I feel like he still has something in the tank to give to a team. Um, and like you said, he, he's just, the way that he plays, he's plug and play. And he makes sense on literally, I feel like every single contender in the league right now, because whether he's starting or come off the bench, he can play a power forward next to a traditional center. You can play small with him at center sometimes. Uh, he can close games for you. And I really like what you said about Harrison Barnes being an option for Miami, but I feel like, P.J. Tucker is kind of perfect for them just because he really does fill that Jay Crowder gap because um, Crowder started all their games at power forward next to Batman Adebayo in the bubble and in the playoffs. And obviously his defense against like Giannis in that second round series was huge. So having a versatile four who can match up with some of the best forwards in the Eastern Conference, like that's something that I feel like the Heat are missing. They, they do like Jimmy Butler can guard those players. Bam Adebayo can guard those players. But if you have that one more piece who can take on that primary assignment and kind of take that load off of them a little bit, that kind of takes the heat to another level. So I, I really like P.J. Tucker for Miami. I also think literally anyone who can defend at this point, I feel like, is a good option for Brooklyn. Um, they're good enough offensively. <laughs> they're good enough offensively to still win the title this season, even if they're just an average or below average defense. But again, like if we're talking about a low usage guy who can knock down threes and switch across every single position, and who, by the way, also has history with James Harden and Mike D'Antoni, who's an assistant coach on that team, uh, Brooklyn, I feel like, checks a lot of boxes for him. So th those are the two teams I, I kind of have my eye on for, for him. Yeah, I, I yeah, I mean, you can name ten teams honestly uh, that, really that, could, that could work for PJ Tucker. I think it will come down to uh, when you when you think about PJ Tucker trade deadline, it's going to come down to what Houston's asking prices for him. I don't think there will be sort of a shortage of teams interested in him, but they'll be a little bit gun shy, um, especially the way he's playing this season, uh, giving up you know major assets to get a guy that, like you said, could walk at the end of the season. And even if he doesn't walk at the end of the season. If he's going to show up, you know, to to a contender and and give you what he's been giving you so far in Houston, I mean, you you may as well hold on to your assets because it, he's been that bad. It hasn't been good at all, and I, I think uh, 
that that may be you know scaring some teams away. But you know, we'll have to lean with history. He, he has been a, a contributor when in in proper situations. Houston, as we talked about on a sixteen game losing streak, uh, hasn't been that. So um, you know, put him in a good situation. Maybe he could win it. Maybe being uh, on the Eastern Conference again, uh, it might might help him out a little bit too. Um, one guy who left East and went West and is hardly playing as well. Uh, is Al Horford. He rounds out our five most intriguing names here at the trade deadline. Al Horford uh, is actually having a better season than I think most people expected based off of the way that he played in Philadelphia a season ago. Um, I think the Thunder overall are just, you know, that that's in the story in itself, the way that they've been able to perform. But Horford looks intriguing. I think the only thing that might scare people away is that he has a lot of years and a lot of money owed to him going forward. Um, why would a team pick up an Al Horford at the deadline? I mean, that's absolutely the, I think the thing that would give teams pause at the trade deadline because he's making $27.5 million, $27. million this season, $27 million next season, and $26.5 million the season after that, although that's only partially guaranteed. So that's, for an aging center whose best years are behind him, that's a, that's a tough pill to swallow. But in saying that, I, I, I feel like people... Look, the Thunder aren't the most. They're not like a, they're not going to crack like a top ten league pass team, right? Right. I feel like they they are generally being slapped on this season. I just wrote a big thing about Shea Gilgis Alexander. He of NBA.com. He's been incredible, and it feels like his development as a star has just completely flown under the radar. And it's similar with Al Horford in that, like I I do I'm with you. I think he's having a much better season than really anyone expected him to, and it's kind of just being swept under the rug. Um, because I do think, you know, that there there are some teams out there who are in need of a center, especially playoff teams. And while his salary would be a lot to take on, I think he's proven that he can still be like a starting caliber center. He's having the best season of his career from three. Still a really good passer. He's always going to be a smart defender. Um, you know, the, the irony is a team like Boston, <laughs> um, he would fit under the trade exception. Like they could kind of make sense for him, even though they already have two centers on their roster. But if you ship one of them out... That makes and by sense. the way, Boston didn't want to get rid of him. He left Boston for for more money. For a big so deal, it, yeah. yeah. For a big so, deal, I mean, yeah. It, that, you're right. It could be a reunion there. Yeah. Um. So that that kind of makes sense. And another team that I feel like, I, I feel like they could make a move that surprises everyone at the trade deadline is Charlotte because mm. they have some expiring contracts to work with. They've been really good this season, um, and you know they're looking to kind of get back into the playoffs. Um, and that, the way that they're playing right now, like they they could make some noise in the first round um, against a good team. Um, they, it would at least be a competitive series. So, you know, are, are they a team that's willing to package together some expiring contracts and in Cody Zeller, Bismack Biombo, and maybe throw in a Malik Monk plus a draft pick to to get aggressive or use those to make a big move at the trade deadline and potentially get someone like Al Horford, who I think would actually fit in really well there. Um, Andre Drummond is another option for them just because, you know, the, the one position they need something is at center and he's very clearly available. But um, yeah, I, I kind of like Charlotte for, for Al Horford here. Yeah, Charlotte is a center of way of uh, of really being in that tier where Boston, I think, and Miami is, where they're you know they, they, if things break right for them, they and Lamelo continues to develop, they can jump into that you know not contender tier in the Eastern Conference, but that tier right underneath. Um, so yeah, you, you're right. I, I, it might be a little bit too aggressive for my taste if I was a Hornet fan, but um, they, they're 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 closer than I think most people think. And as you said, Al Horford has been you know much better than I think people realize. His stats, his counting numbers not the efficiency his counting numbers are on par with his last all-star season in boston um if not better 
Uh, he, he averaged 12 points per game, uh, seven rebounds, and four assists, close to five assists in that all-star campaign in Boston. That was in 2018. Uh, this season, he's 14 points per game, uh, six rebounds, and three and a half assists. So he, he's not far off of, uh, of, of, of those numbers. And, uh, you know, if you eliminate what you saw in Philadelphia a season ago where it just simply wasn't a fit, um, yeah. I think you'll, you'll warm up to the idea that Al Horford uh, still has a lot left in the tank. The one thing, like I said, that will, you know, be, give you cause for concern, he is 35 um, or he will be 35 at the end of the season. And there's still going to be two years of big money remaining on his contract um, that uh, you're going to have to kind of eat and, and, and worry about whether or not uh, he might be worth that down the road. But that's a, another story for another time. Um, some honorable mentions uh, at the trade deadline. I know Nick Vucevic is uh, coming off the All-Star year. He's having a, a really nice year, career year, in fact. Um, mm-hmm. And like similar to Al Horford, most people aren't watching the Magic on a nightly basis. They don't get it on national TV games, if any. And they are actually playing worse than they have over the last couple of years. It always felt like they were going to be, you could, you could put them in pen, uh, Sharpie, in that eighth spot in the Eastern Conference. This season doesn't feel like that. Um, but he's a guy that's his name continues for whatever reason gets linked to Boston. But I, I feel like if, if his name's getting linked to Boston, then maybe other teams might call and offer a little bit more for Vooch, uh, who's now on a team that has lost their last eight games. Uh, the magic can't be that much worse without him, right? Like now would be the time to move him. Well, the problem with them is that they just had so many injuries. Like Markel Fultz started the season really strong and kind of looked like he was going to bounce back and and he, i think he got injured while well, like eight games into the season they haven't had jonathan isaac aaron gordon's missed some time so they've they've just had a really unfortunate string of injuries so i i think i chalk that more up to why they're struggling than anything else but um i mean all the reporting points to either him not being available at the trade deadline or the magic wanting just a ton in return for him because yeah Rightfully he's having so. the best yeah i mean he's a two-time all-star having the best season of his career um, and yeah, like a, a team like Boston, who, by the way, he would fit under their um, trade, their $28.5 million trade exception, like he'd make a big difference to that team. Obviously, defensively, he's never been known for, for doing things on that end of the court, but I think he's, he's, a fine, he's a passable defender. And offensively, he's just, he's a knockdown three-point shooter. He's a good post-up scorer. He's a pretty good passer. Like he, he would give a team like Boston another offensive option and really give them a pretty scary big three potentially big four if Kemba can kind of um you know bounce back to his all-star status so he, he's definitely someone to keep an eye on uh I don't know if he will if you know the Magic are actually going to be willing to part ways with him but it seems like his teammate Aaron Gordon is going to be more gettable um all the reporting points towards you know the Magic taking calls on him at least and I think you know he, he's not the same caliber of player obviously as Vucevic but I, I love the idea of Aaron Gordon going to like the Nuggets, you know, and, and filling that like Jeremy Grant role next to Jokic and Jamal Murray. Um, like that, that's a really appealing option uh, for me. Obviously, a team like Portland has been linked to him in the past. That That's also pretty interesting. But um, it, it seems like if someone's going to get traded on the Magic right now, it looks like it's going to be Aaron Gordon over Vucevic. I think and, and low-key, he's actually having a great uh uh, shooting season um, from deep anyway, 36%, close to 35 um, from three-point range. And we know that when the Magic have gotten into the playoffs over the last, we'll call it three seasons, 
Um, Aaron Gordon's been the primary guy that they say go out and guard, guard the best player on mm-hmm. on the opposing team, and he's done decently. You know, he, he's obviously not. Uh, I don't think he gets the credit um, that he deserves for the, you know his his defensive ability, and maybe he hasn't just been you know on on you know, put in the spotlight to to be able to to get that credit, but. You put him on a team that that's you know a, a guy like him away from from winning one uh, or even getting to the finals, he'll, he'll start to get some credit. And you're right, the, the Nuggets would be a perfect spot for him. The way he can defend, he's now his shots falling from deep, and then also he gets up and down the floor. Yeah. Um, you know, I think people forget this is not only they, they, people don't forget they know him as a slam dunk champion, but I think that there's a little bit more to his game. Um, and at one point, he scores 17 points per game in a season. Like that, he he can put you can fill it up. Uh, so, but I think still young. Yeah, I, I think the thing with him though is that he almost just leaves. Like you almost just want a little bit more out of him. Like I feel like it's been talked about so much at this point, but him kind of being like a Draymond Green type of mm-hmm. addition to a team, which I think he would. I, I think in the Nuggets, like that's a team that could kind of fit him into that role. But it's almost like he sees himself more as like a number one or number two option. Like he almost does a little bit too much sometimes. Um, so I feel like if a team could, you know, acquire him and yeah, unlock him as this super versatile defender, um, and then offensively, yeah, he, he's cutting off of Nikola, uh, Nikola Jokic. He's spotting up on the three point line. Maybe at the end of the shot clock, he's getting some opportunities to run some offense, but maybe not as much as he has in the past. Um, it, he just seems like someone who in a new situation could just go to a completely different level. And we're talking about him in a completely different situation. So I, I've always loved his potential and I, I would just love to see him in a situation that could kind of unlock that some more. Right. He could be more, a little bit more self-aware. You're right about that. The one thing I'll, I'll say, and we'll get off of Aaron Gordon, cause this isn't an Aaron Gordon podcast. Um, <laughs> well, actually two things. One, he's actually a, a better playmaker than I think people realize given the opportunity. And then two, um, you, you have to worry about his injury history. Uh, he yeah, hasn't true. been able, a guy that's been able to put together long stretches of time where he's been healthy. And this season is one of those years where uh, he just hasn't been healthy enough for the Orlando Magic. Uh, last name before we get out of here, and I think it's, he is, speaking of injuries, one of the most intriguing guys uh, at the trade line, it seems like every year, and that's Kevin Love. Um, Kevin Love still has a lot of money left on his deal. I think close to $60 million remaining on his contract. Uh, it's over the next two seasons, I believe, correct? That sounds right. Yeah, two seasons. I'll look it up while you uh, explain why a team might go out and get Kevin Love, who we feels like we haven't seen play in such a long time because he's always hurt. Yeah, it's unfortunate. I mean, he he was he missed quite a bit of time. I think he'd only played three games this season before the All-Star two. break. Um, yeah. Was it two? Okay, because yeah. with a cough injury, and then he came back the other night, and then what, he only played like two minutes? Um, yeah. Sorry, yeah, he played 10 minutes in the first game after All-Star break, then he played two minutes against the Hawks and then left the game. Um, that, that's, that's, that's a huge concern because like, we just talked about like Al Horford um, taking on that money is a tough build to swallow. At least Al Horford's been healthy and you can kind of count on him on a night-to-night basis. But if you're taking that kind of money on from someone who you're really not sure if he's going to be available much, um, that's really difficult. In, in saying that, I mean, Kevin Love is a proven stretch for like last season – um, he shot 37% from three on seven attempts per game. The season before that, 36. The season before that, 42% from three. Like, this guy is a knockdown three-point shooter. He's not the player that he once was, but, like, 
you know, you, you imagine him in a situation like Dallas playing next to like Luca and Porzingis, you know what I mean? Where he can kind of mm-hmm. just spot up nonstop and he's going to get wide open looks. Like that just makes a ton of sense stylistically, I feel like. But again, it's just kind of coming up with the contracts to be able to, to take on a salary and taking that risk, knowing that, you know, there's a possibility that he plays 20 games next season. Um, I don't know. But Kevin Love is just one of those guys. I, I've always had a huge appreciation for his game. I feel like he, you know, was a bit of a punching bag when those Cavaliers teams kept going to the finals. Mm-hmm. Um, he's evolved with the times offensively, doubled down on his strengths and everything like that. And uh, similar to Blake Griffin, like it, it would be nice to kind of see like one last hurrah, you know, like find him in a situation where he can be in a difference, maybe compete for another title uh, or something like that. So it would be nice to see him go in a different situation. I just. If he came out of this all-star break and could string together like two weeks of healthy, good, consistent play, maybe there's a team that talks himself into it. But um, based on this, you know, recent setback, it looks like it. I feel like it's going to be. I feel like it's unlikely. Yeah, the calf injury is the latest for for Kevin Love. By the way, he will uh, be in the final year of his deal in 2022-23. So you're stuck with him for at least two seasons if you took him yeah. on this year, um, which, as Scott said, is a long time. Uh, especially given the fact that uh, he has never played uh, over 60 games in the last five years uh, of his career. Uh, so, so that's long. That's not a lot uh, of basketball, um, and, and you kind of have to deal with the injuries. So hopefully he, uh, he gets well soon, and we uh, at least get to see him on a basketball court here shortly. Um, is there any other names that might intrigue you uh, outside of the ones we just talked about? I have one. I, I want to hear yours, your thoughts. Yeah, that, I have a couple. I think um, Norman Powell, like I mentioned at the top, he's having the best mm. season of his career. Um, could be a free agent in the offseason. Like, the, there's a chance that the Raptors sell high on him right now. Um, and I could see a lot of teams kind of talking themselves into him. So he's, he's interesting to me. Another one is Thaddeus Young on Chicago. He's having a really good season. They've kind of they played him a lot at sm- like a small ball center, running some offense through him. I could see a team talking themselves into to making a move for him. And last one that I feel like we have to mention is Andre Drummond. And I know it's been basically a month since uh, that report came out that the Cavaliers are just not going to play him anymore um, while they kind of move Jared Allen to the starting lineup and pursue trade options for Drummond. I he's a really polarizing player. Like the everyone insiders scouts they all seem to kind of point to him just putting up empty stats um i i he's clearly not an all-star anymore it's still just crazy to me to think that in 10 days time we could be talking about him being bought out and then just walking on to a team like the lakers because for a guy who's just a walking double double one of the best offensive rebounders i think it's fair to say we've ever really seen um and a guy who athletically might not be quite what he was a couple years ago um, if you put him next to like two other stars and he just buys in and you can get him to, to rim run, lock down on defense and just focus on cleaning up the glass, he just feels like someone who we could be looking at in six months, a year's time and be like, how did he end up on this team? Like, how did right. this happen? But um, I, I know he's a very polarizing player. I feel like he it's gone too far and he might be a little underrated, but um, I, I'm fascinated to see how everything plays out because I can understand why teams would not want to give up much to get him given, you know, Everything I just said, him being a free agent in the offseason. Um, I mean, the Cavs only got him for basically a second-round pick uh, a year ago, which is crazy to think about. But, um, yeah, I, I'm just fascinated to see how that kind of plays out and where he ends up on the season because I feel like he's someone who we haven't really been talking about for a while and we could be talking about a lot depending on where he ends up. You're right. Um, the one name that uh, I'm intrigued by 
um, that I'm surprised you didn't mention is DeMar DeRozan. Um, he's going to be a free agent after this year. Uh, there was a lot of talk last year, uh, pre-pandemic, that he might opt out at uh, you know in the in the off season um, and look to move on to another team. Obviously, when the pandemic hit and there was twenty seven million dollars sitting in front of his face, he opted in, and here he is still in San Antonio. Um, it this is my guess. I it doesn't feel to me like I wouldn't be shocked if Demar Derozan walked away from San Antonio in the off season. So if that is the case, and maybe he's working with the Spurs brass to figure things out. Um, it feels like the best option for the Spurs, even though they're in the thick of things in the Western Conference, would be to move him to try and get something back for him. And there's going to be a lot of suitors for him. I, I feel like he's one of those names that if the Spurs said, uh, you know, the, the complete opposite of LaMarcus Aldridge, that the Spurs went out there and said, hey, Aldridge is available, and I don't feel like the phone rang at all. <laughs> but if, if, mm-hmm. the, if, if the the name was DeMar DeRozan, that phone would be ringing off the hook. And a couple of teams that, you know, have over the years – have been linked to DeMar, the Lakers, the Heat, the Pacers, Sixers, Celtics. Those five teams, you think about what they would look like if DeMar was on their roster. Um, I think that puts them in uh, contention uh, outside of the Pacers. I I think those other four teams that really puts them in contention makes them stronger uh, and could eventually, he might be the final piece to a team that puts them over the top. And for a guy that uh, you know, got traded for Kawhi Leonard in heartbreaking fashion for him, uh, and then watched the franchise that he helped rise up to the top win a championship. I know, and it, it feels like, and it, everything that he said, he he's a guy that wants to win. And I don't think they're close to winning in San Antonio. So for him to re-sign in San Antonio would have to take a lot. So I really feel like DeMar DeRozan, um, if he doesn't move at the trade deadline, he's going to be out of there in the summer. And he might be the hottest free agent if he gets to that point. And it would suck for the Spurs if they lost him for absolutely nothing. So he's a, he's a big name that I'm watching uh, as we're just over a week out from the NBA trade deadline. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Chris Haynes of Yahoo Sports said that the Spurs are not actively engaged in seeking out a trade for him, but that could change if they don't agree to an in um, an in season extension leading up to the trade deadline. And apparently, mm-hmm. according to him, there has been no dialogue yet of an extension. But yeah, DeRozan's fascinating. He's another guy I've always I feel like I've appreciated um, more than the consensus. Um, and I. I you know, he's a guy who became known for just being Super Bowl dominant in Toronto. And right. he's changed over the last couple of seasons. Obviously, he's still a fantastic scorer, but he's basically averaging the fewest points he's averaged in five, six seasons. Um, and yet he's never been more efficient. And he's kind of unlocked himself as this uh, like point forward almost. Um, he's averaging a career best 7.3 assists per game <laughs> and only and just under two turnovers. Like he's super efficient as a playmaker um, and he's starting to shoot a little bit more threes. He's still not, he's not plug and play. You know what I mean? Like, I, I still feel like if you were to put him in a situation like Philly, um, there would be some fit issues. And I think you can work around that. Um, he's proven to be adaptable other than the fact that, you know, he, he's sometimes a reluctant three-point shooter. Um, but he's, I mean, I, I just, I, I love DeMar Rosen. I love his game. I think he's, he's much better than all the advanced stats point to a lot of the times. Um, and it would be good to see him again on like a, a competitive team and somewhere he can make a difference. So I think yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. The Philly one is an interesting one, and and the reason why I think I could see him in Philly is 
you think about what Philly struggles with and bought things bogged down at the end of games, and you think about why yeah, they bogged point. down at the end of games, he would be the one guy that I think if you put him on Philly, and this is no disrespect to Tobias Harris, I just I just feel more comfortable giving Barnard Rosen the ball uh, in those situations and and saying, all right, go out there and get me a decent shot. He's been you know be, he's been that in Toronto. He, he's sort of that now in San Antonio. I think it's more by committee in San Antonio, but you know he he can get you a good look and. And I think Philly struggles with that. And Ben Simmons is a great playmaker, but mm-hmm. we know that you know if you're going to sag off of him as much as you want, he's not going to be looking for his own look. So uh, DeRozan, yes, doesn't shoot the three ball that well, but you can't do that with Demar. He's going to be able to, to rise up and get to his spot and, and knock down something. So that's I think that's like the key with with a Demar and Philly. And I to think he point, would do that in in all those spots that I mentioned. To your point, by the way. Um, you saying that like that that was the role Jimmy Butler had, right? Mm-hmm. When he was in mm-hmm. Philadelphia for that half season. Um, and he, he's always been, I feel like, a bit more of a willing three-point shooter than DeMar DeRozan. But even he, he's not a great three-point shooter. No. The difference with him, obviously, is he's an all-NBA caliber defender. Um, right. And that's never been something that DeMar DeRozan has been known. But yeah, if he could kind of almost fill that Jimmy Butler closing gap for them offensively. And they, I mean... Ben Simmons is a defensive player of the year candidate, and uh, so is Joel Embiid. So they have they have the pieces around him to kind of make up for him on that end of the court. So yeah, the, it, the, it, you saying that does make a little bit more sense to me than it, than it did when you first mentioned it. Yeah, it's uh, it'd be interesting. Um, so we'll leave it there. Those are the names that you should be watching for uh, with with the trade deadline coming up again on March 25th. We'll have the coverage uh, pretty much wall to wall on NBA.com. If you go there right now, there's already a ton of stories. Uh, our man Scott Rafferty, some guy named Scott Rafferty who writes for NBA.com Global. He has the five most interesting names and also the six questions that might shape the trade trade deadline uh, coming up just over a week away from that. Uh, So we'll leave that here. We'll leave you here with that and remind you, check out NBASoundSystem.com. If you missed any portion of this live show, you go out and uh, subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. So for Scott Rafferty, I'm Carlin Gabe. Reminder, we'll be back at a normal time. 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the NBA Global Networks. It's NBA Sound System. It's LIV Live, and we'll see you next week. <laughs>